Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. Y'all, Mattini's been here uh, more times than the law should allow. Y'all all know him. I don't have to introduce him anymore. Uh, he's my friend, and a lot of people have gotten to know him and love him. We're glad you're here, Matt. Thank you. You were you live up in in uh, the the bowels of North Alabama somewhere, and uh, you drove down this morning, and you're going to hunt a little bit this afternoon, I think. So we are so glad you're here, and uh, can't wait to hear what the Lord's put on your heart. So y'all, give it up for Matt Hobson. Good morning. I got lucky. Wow, loud. I got really lucky. I was driving around, going over the bridge, looking on Facebook, talking to people as I'm trying to figure out what time I'm going to be here. And I thought, well, I just drive by the church, pray for the church for the service this morning. I come by and there's a ton of people outside. I'm like, praise God, there's a lot of people getting there early. Anyway, I just so happened to pull in. I had no idea it was at 9 o'clock. I totally forgot it was at 9. So just by the Lord's providence and mercy, I pulled in or I would have been way late. I would have been in Selma. I would have just been really late. I'd have got a notification. You guys were live, and I would have figured it out. I'd been here by the time worship was over. But I drove down this morning. I was just so caught up in everything. Uh, Before I get into the message, before we start talking a little bit today, along with Josh, because I may not be able to make it back Friday, I want to honor Bob Armstrong. I know he's retiring And I'll tell you this, I met Bob a couple years ago when I was doing a tour through all in Alabama where I preached in all 67 counties in the state. And you have something special here. You have something really special here. And the reason I say that is not one other church I've been to in 67 counties is there a pastor that so generously turns his pulpit over to others. And he's not turning it over to people he doesn't know. He's turning it over to people that he has raised as spiritual sons and daughters. And not because that was a goal of his, but that's because that is his character. That is who he is. When Josh says, this is the Father's house, this is the Father's heart in this place, it's because you have a pastor, you have a leader, you have an apostolic leader that has put that in place, not as a goal, but as who you are. And it is something special. And I know you may not realize it because you're here all the time, but I can promise you as an outsider looking in, you have something that is very rare in the world, but for, for sure in the state of Alabama. And so I won't be here Friday, so could we do this? Could we all stand to our feet, and could we honor Bob and Ann for all that they've done in this state, in this church, for who he is? I know this makes him really uncomfortable, so let's keep doing it. Just a little more, a little more. We thank God for his, for his clean truck. We thank God that he keeps his truck spotless for when he picks people up and that his dogs, you know, don't do things that other dogs wouldn't do and all that kind of stuff. You are one of a kind, sir. I wish I and may be able to be here, but I wish I could be here to help honor you because you are... You are very deserving. 17 years of just 
complete service of giving yourself away to other people. And so thank you so much. And it shows. It shows. Shows in Mary's singing. Shows in Josh's leadership. Shows in the people that he turns the pulpit over to. He is a spiritual father that is doing the, the job of raising spiritual sons. And it is very rare. Very rare. Including myself. So thank you for pouring into me, helping me through my transition and and just fathering me along through that as well so love him very much love Ann. love this place love the relationships i've built so far i could go on and on and on but as bob said i'm also here to hunt so from october to february you know if your pastor's a hunter because the messages get shorter and shorter praise god my dad said there's never a bad short message but i asked bob so it's his fault today if you don't like the message i gave him and josh three choices I'm like, I'm all over the place. I'm in this area, I'm in this area, I'm in this area. What do you think? And he said, well, I'm retiring. Why don't you just preach about new beginnings? Praise God, because that's the one I had the most information on. So uh, I want to talk about new beginnings. And biblically, it's a perfect time to do that. Because not that we're Jewish, but God works on a different calendar than we do. (laughs) He works on a Hebraic calendar. And we're actually moving into the month of Cheshvan, which is a Hebrew month, which means new beginnings. So everything about this month, biblically, if we come into alignment with what God is doing, is about doing something new. And so I want to talk about new beginnings. Bob is retiring. It's something new is about to happen, right? So God clearly gives us a calendar, how we can kind of sync up with him. And if we're, if we're wise about it, if we kind of research and look at what he does in the Bible, we can see how to sync up with him in those times. Hosea said it best. People perish for the lack of what? Knowledge. God doesn't want us to be in the dark. He gives us little breadcrumbs so we can kind of find him. And he opens up the scripture to us in a different way if we're just willing to look. And so in this new month, Matthew 6, 3 says this. Understand God's timing. In the morning, it will be stormy today because the sky is red and darkening. Doesn't take a meteorologists to figure that out right you know how to judge correctly the appearance of the sky but can you evaluate the signs and the seasons man if there was ever a time in the earth that us as believers need to be able to evaluate the signs and the seasons it's now we've got to understand what God is doing in the earth because we're a big part of that we're his mouthpiece we're the hands and feet of Jesus right So we've got to understand what he's doing if we're going to be part of that. And I'm just giving you a little little background. This has nothing to do with the message. This is totally free. So if you don't like it, you can throw this out. But this is a little background of how to get on God's calendar. How do you do that if it's so important? Well, I'm glad you asked. In Genesis 1.14, he says this, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from night and let there be signs to indicate what? The seasons, the days, and the years. God is clearly giving us little breadcrumbs so you can understand the season, the day, the time, the year, so you can what? Be at the right place at the right time. That's how I met Bob. It was at the right place at the right time. I was in Selma preaching behind a trailer park at another church. And I needed one government official to pray with. He happened to be the one that answered the phone. Next thing you know, I'm sitting right where he's at, and he's sitting right here on this stage, and our friendship began. Why? Because he was at the right place in the right time, and so was I. 
We were in perfect alignment for God to do something. And that's what God wants us to do with this month, with new beginnings, to be in the right place at the right time. So he gives us appointments to be able to do that. And we keep all kinds of appointments, doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, date night appointments, hunting appointments, praise God. We keep all kind of appointments. But God gives us specific ones that if we will set up times and follow these, we can come into alignment with what he's doing and something special happens. And he does that in three ways. Number one is a weekly Sabbath. <laughs> Every week, God says, just set aside one day and meet with me, and I'll reset everything. If you'll just give me one day to do it, I'll reset everything. It's called a Sabbath. I've told you several times while I'm down here, I'm not great at the Sabbath. I'm better during hunting season with it. But outside of that, I'm not good with just giving a day to rest, just giving a day to be with the Lord. But it's important. The next is monthly. It's called Rosh Kadesh. Every month, and I don't know if you know this. I didn't know this. I went to Walker County Schools, so maybe that was part of that. But the moon rotates around the earth. Are you aware of that? I was kind of blown away by that. And so if you look up in the sky, if you kind of follow the moon, it, all of a sudden it's a full moon, then it starts going away, then it's nothing, then you see a little bit of a thumbnail, then it comes back around. That's God's new month happening. It's a reset every month called Rosh Kadesh is what the Hebrews call it. So every month is a new beginning for you to start over. If you missed it last month, I can get in alignment this month and I can get on God's calendar and he can meet me exactly where I'm at and I can get in alignment at the right place at the right time and boom, something special happens every month. So when you look up in the sky and you see a new moon, you can say, oh, well, it's a new moon. We're halfway through the month. And then all of a sudden, a new moon comes up, and boom, a little thumbnail, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's a new month. I can reset again. It was so important back in the day, before we had any of the technology we had, that they would have people standing out on the mountain, and when you saw a little bit of a thumbnail, they would immediately go crazy, go start a fire, and then someone in the next town would see the fire and say, oh my God, it's a new month. We get to begin again. They would start a fire, and it would pass on that way, and that's how people knew God's month was starting before we had calendars. And it was so important that the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all of the other seas started setting fires at different times to throw them off. Now, if it wasn't important that we line up and be in alignment with what God's doing at a certain time, why were they trying to throw them off the specific timing of doing that? Isn't that crazy? This is all in the Bible, by the way. I'm not making it up. And then, lastly, he meets with us annually, three times a year at major feasts, Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. Those are the three big events that God puts in place. Passover, we celebrate what? Jesus paying for our forgiveness. Fifty days later, we celebrate Pentecost, the Holy Spirit coming. After that, we celebrate Tabernacles. Rick sang about living water. That was during Tabernacles. So if we understand that that God's calendar in the Bible moved and worked on an uh, agricultural calendar, it would help us put everything in perspective when we're starting to read about seed and harvest and all of these different things. When Jesus said, I'm the living water, 
And as a Pentecostal or growing up in a church of God or praying in tongues and all that kind of stuff, we always like to do that. Like lay hands on somebody's belly and say, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And we start speaking in tongues and we hope they do. And they're just like, uh, we, so all that, right? But Jesus literally was standing on the steps during tabernacles, pouring out buckets of water behind him, saying, I am the living water. Out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. It was during a feast. So God meets with us on these special times. Weekly, monthly, yearly, and if we'll just pay attention to what's happening, right? The signs and the seasons and the times, God will come into alignment with us and boom, something special happens. A new beginning comes out of nowhere. So that's your background on the month of Cheshvan, like new beginnings. God's biblical calendar. You can research that on your own. I don't have enough time to go into all that today, but I wanted to give you a little bit of background because... It's not by coincidence that we're talking about new beginnings in the month of new beginnings on the week of celebrating a new beginning. It's not a coincidence. You can't make that kind of stuff up. And so I want to talk about new beginnings. That's what we're going to talk about today. These cycles are just meant to make us go in, in, in um, this little cyclone of blessings going up and up and up. As we reset, as we come into alignment, God's taken us out of cycles of destruction into cycles of blessing. On the way down here, I was talking to a friend. He said, I've been reading through First Chronicles this morning. All of Kings and Chronicles, again, if you read your Bible, kind of parallel each other. And when I was growing up, we called it the cycle of sin. <laughs> Because people would say, oh my gosh, we've got to have a king. We can't lead ourselves. We don't know what to do. Somebody please give us another Bob Armstrong, right? And then all of a sudden they put somebody in place and this guy is not who you wanted, right? Sounds like an electoral year to me. Uh, so everybody starts complaining about this guy. He sins, they sin, God removes them, and then we're back in the same situation again. Oh God, please give us another leader. It's called the cycle of sin. And so we were talking about it this morning. That's essentially what's happening right now in new beginnings is that God is just resetting things and if we pay attention we can get on that path and we can be reset and the good news or bad news is is if you miss it you can reset anytime God gives you weekly monthly yearly that you can come and be reset and get right back on the path that he has for you and so Bob said it best this morning a word of hope a heart deferred makes a hope deferred makes the heart sick. But if you read it in the Good News translation, it says, A wish that's granted brings overflowing joy. That's hope. That's a word of hope. Just a little hope to somebody changes everything. We were singing that song, Rick was singing it. If you follow me on social media, I posted it this week. I got my mother's Bible out this week as I was studying, actually last week, studying through it's a New King James Version, which is I wouldn't suggest reading that as your normal study Bible, for me anyway. Um, but I'm reading through a Bible, and I picked it up, and I just took a big old smell of it. And it smells just like Salem cigarettes, still. And she's been dead years. But it smells just like Salem cigarettes. So I smell that cigarette, and I don't immediately think, oh, my God, my mother smoked. What I think about is the goodness of God, where she sat at that kitchen table praying for people, giving people things that, that she didn't have, giving words of hope, giving encouragement. And so for some people, it may smell like Salem cigarettes. For me, it was the goodness and faithfulness of God just being reminded 
And then you start turning, and you see a little note she wrote, and you pull out little Bible markers, and you do all these kind of things. It was just such an encouragement to me. But that word of hope, and what a better word of hope than a new beginning. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've been begging for a new beginning. <laughs> I thought quitting work would be amazing. I'd have this time of peace and rest, and God would just open the heavens and say, this is exactly where you're supposed to go. None of that happened. <laughs> and so now I'm like, God, I need a new beginning. <laughs> So I hope that today is a word of hope for you, for somebody. And I want to encourage us, sync up with God's calendar, with his timing. If we're paying attention, he'll tell us what to do. And that's what I'm doing. I'm so grateful that Bob, he's always said that to me. God's going to show you what to do. Just We're not going to force anything. God's going to show up. It's going to be exactly what it's supposed to be. And it's just been amazing to be surrounded by people like that. I want to start out very religious today for you. I don't know if you grew up religious, but this is out of the book Semisonic, the band um, that I grew up with. And this is what the song says. Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know who I want to take me home. I know who I want to take me home. It's closing time. Time for you to go out to all the places. The room won't be open to what? Your brothers and your sisters come. So gather up your jackets, move it to the exits. I hope you found a friend. It's closing time. Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. That's the band Semisonic. It's probably in the book of Enoch or something. I don't know. But it's closing time. Not that, not that everything you're doing here is bad. It doesn't have to be bad. But it's time for a new beginning. Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. You just can't see it when you're in the ending of whatever that is. And I've been there. So if that's true, what would keep us... So if God gives us this calendar, this timing, and he's always telling us that there's a new beginning, what would keep us from perceiving what God is doing? This can be a give and take. You can respond. What would perceive us from understanding what God is doing? Maybe, and I'm just saying maybe, it's that, that we're expecting God to move like he's done in the past. Maybe we're so caught up in that God did this back then that we don't see what he's doing right now. Is that possible? So here I am expecting God's going to part the Red Sea. Because why? Because he's parted the Red Sea in the past. But if the Red Sea doesn't part, then I'm standing here going, God just doesn't love me. He doesn't show up. He's not speaking to me. Like, where is God in all this? Because he's not parting my Red Sea. Right? Sometimes the greatest barrier to what God is doing is what he used to do. Because we turn it into a system, a formula. If I just do this, God's going to act this way. When I first became a Christian, maybe you're the same way. I could open up the Bible and read anything, and it just explode with lightning bolts. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. Oh, my God, did you know this? Oh, my God, and I'd have to tell people, and I'd underline it, and I'd highlight it. And I got a different highlighter for every verse, so I didn't want to confuse them. And your Bible just looked like one of those rainbow Bibles that the kids have, and everything was highlighted in a different thing. Now if I open the Bible, it's like every verse is Job 
or Jeremiah. I'm crying, I'm miserable, I'm depressed. Oh God, where are you? Like, where's the lightning bolts that happened when I was first saved and a Christian that, you know, out of nothing and all of this stuff was just amazing? Where did all that go? I'm sure this is just me. But now I ask God, I'm like, look, I need you to speak to me like you did then. And I keep hearing God say this, I am speaking, I'm just on a different frequency. I need you to get on it. Josh came over to me this morning and he said, I need to make sure your microphone is on the correct channel because we've changed some things and it's got to be on the correct channel now. And he came back there and checked it and he's like, you're good. That's exactly what God's been saying to me. I need to make sure you're on the same channel because I'm not doing what I used to do. And, and maybe now what I need you to do is dig a little deeper in the frequency I'm speaking and go find out some things for yourself instead of me showing up in lightning bolts. Right? I need you to change. This is what I hear God saying. Forget not my faithfulness, but forget the form that it came in. God is always faithful. He just may not be faithful the same way he was the last time he was faithful. And if we're looking for him in that form, in that way, and we miss him, then we could tend to say, where are you, God? Where are you in all this? I'm sitting here waiting on you. Why aren't you, at, why aren't you parting the Red Sea? Why aren't you acting? Why aren't you moving? And they couldn't get this. In Hebrews 6.1, this is what it says, Now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ and advance into perfection. The foundation has been laid for us to build upon, turning away from our dead works to embrace our faith in God. The writer here is saying, you keep looking for God to speak in the law because that's what you were addicted to. You were addicted to, if I sin, I provide a sacrifice, you move, I'm forgiven. And you made a system, you became addicted to the form of grace that you experienced. And God's saying, I'm not doing that. I'm doing something new. We get addicted to so much of the same form of deliverance, then grace comes along in a different way, and we don't know what to do with it. <laughs> well, God, you met us this way in this upper room over at the Presbyterian place. Why aren't you doing that now? Well, God, you moved this way when we just started this place, and all of a sudden the building was paid up in, in all of these things that... We start making a system out of a certain way God moves and we miss the new form of grace that he shows up in. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. We've got to move on. We've got to move past what God used to do. There's nothing worse than sitting in a room or a prayer gathering or a ministry event and people talking about what used to happen. Well, when I was 13, God did this. When I was this, God, has God not done anything this week or today? I woke up this morning. I had breath in my lungs. That's a miracle. The fact that I'm allowed to preach on a stage in a church is a miracle. I was listening to a song by maybe in Elevation or Maverick City. I don't know which one. A thousand little miracles, a million little miracles on the way down here. There's a million little miracles if we're just looking for them. That happens every day. 
We just can't tie God to what used to be a miracle. What's a miracle today? What's happening today? What's God doing today? I love Bob, and I want to celebrate everything that he's done, but I'm more excited about what he's going to do. So I'm looking for that next thing. I feel like that's what God's telling us. And I know some of us grew up in really religious environments where this is just the way it is, right? Even maybe you came to church today because why? Because we've got to go to church. It's Sunday. But we've got to change that kind of mindset. We've got to be looking at what God is doing next, not what he used to do. Yes, he used to do great things, but he does great things today. He's doing a new thing. We can lift our hands. We can lift our heart. We can be free. We can do all kind of things that maybe we didn't get a chance to do in the past. Why? Because he's doing something new. He's always doing something new. Isaiah 43, 19 says this. This is going to be our main verse for today. I'm doing something old. No, that's not what it says. It says, I'm doing something brand new. I'm doing something brand new, something unheard of. They haven't heard about this in Selma. It's unheard of. Even now it sprouts up and grows and matures. Don't you perceive it? Do you perceive it? Do you perceive God's doing something new? If not, that'd be a great red flag of I need to check my frequency. Because if God's doing something new and he's saying, don't you perceive it, then if I'm not perceiving it, that means that one of us is off, and I'm assuming it's not God. I'll make a way for you in the wilderness, and I'll open up flowing streams in the desert. What gets me is that when he said this, right, that I would make a way in the wilderness, I would open up streams and all this, is that he did that at the Red Sea. He parted those waters like we were talking about. And the reason that they love that story so much and they passed it on from generation to generation is why? Because that's what they knew of how God acted. That was their form of deliverance. We do the same thing when we're sharing our personal story. You'll get caught up just sharing that specific part of your story because that was the form of deliverance that you experienced, right? And so that's what they did. They kept going back to this is what God did. When? In the past. It says water was up on all sides and pushed back like that. And if you read the Hebrew and the Greek, what that uh, um, really means is it was a barrier between them. This wall of water became a barrier. And the reason they were so focused on it is because God did that. He put up this huge barrier and allowed them to go through, and that was their form of deliverance. But Isaiah is saying this. This time, this new time that I'm telling you about, this new beginning, it's it's not going to be a Red Sea moment where I'm backing the waters up and there's going to be this huge barrier. What he's saying is, this time, you won't have to go through the waters, right? Now, now I want you to really catch me on this, because if you miss this, the whole message is just total trash, because this is the main point. Isaiah says, this time, God's going to make a way but it will not be through the waters like you remember, but it'll be through the wilderness. No one wants to hear that. (laughs) God, lead me into the wilderness. But that's exactly when he shows up the most. It's exactly when we call on him the most. 
How many of you, when everything is going great, literally spend all your time thanking God for how great everything is? But the moment something goes wrong, we're like, oh, God, if you would just show up, right? So that's what he's saying. I'm no longer going to show up in the waters like that. I'm showing up in the wilderness. Why? What did they need in the wilderness? You said it right there. What? Water. Their biggest need in their wilderness was water. Their biggest need was water. And so here's what he's saying. This is the big aha moment for me. What used to be a barrier, right, in the Red Sea, what used to be the barrier was this water. What used to be the barrier is now going to become the blessing. So you're expecting I'm going to move the Red Sea and this big wall, this big barrier that's been separating everything, that used to be the way it was going to happen. And now what I'm saying is whatever that barrier is, becomes the blessing whatever that barrier is becomes the new beginning because I'm going to show up in the wilderness in a new way no longer are you going to have to go and try to find water when you're in the wilderness I'm going to bring water to you no longer have you got to wait for Moses to show up and save you I'm going to show up and meet you right where you are in the wilderness and save you by taking the exact same exact thing you thought was a barrier and turning it into the very thing that's going to bless your life the most. How hard is that to hear? But what a word of hope. It doesn't matter what situation you've gotten yourself into. Because if we had to be honest, it's really us that get ourselves in those situations. None of us are probably that special that the devil himself is showing up and getting us in that situation. Most of it is just choices and consequences and actions and decisions. And we show up and we get ourselves in those situations. But God's saying it doesn't matter what situation you're in. Whether the enemy puts you there, whether you put yourself there, I'm going to show up in a new way and it's not going to be like you thought. It's not going to be the Red Seas parting and all of a sudden there's this thing. No, I'm going to show up and take the exact thing you're trying to get through and use it to become your blessing. But I was talking about the goodness of God, and in that verse, that's, that's the whole psalm story. David says, God tells David, I'm going to prepare a table for you in the presence of what? Not your biggest fans. In the presence of your enemies. And it's going to be so crazy because I'm going to have you sitting there feasting on the goodness of God while your enemies have to watch what I'm doing in your life. <laughs> what a word of hope. I'm going to get to sit here and eat on the goodness of God while the biggest haters get to sit there and watch it? Praise God. That's the kind of God I love. I used to go, my old pastor used to say, you know, I'll pray for my enemies, but I also pray that God would give them hemorrhoids sometimes too. But for them to get to watch us feast on his goodness, that's the whole heaping coals on somebody's head, Right? I get to pray for somebody. To me, that's like a win-win. That's not me offering to come help you move and you've hired a moving company and you don't need my help. I get the benefit of offering, but I don't got to do anything. That's the best of both worlds. But we say, how long, Lord? <laughs> I'm sitting here, right? And it wasn't their physical lack of provision when they were in the wilderness that was driving them crazy. 
It wasn't that they wasn't experiencing prosperity or didn't get manna every day from heaven. The biggest barrier they had in the wilderness was the lack of purpose. They had lost all hope. They didn't know what to do. And they got so caught up with it that they said, what? Just let us go back to the way it used to be. Because they didn't want to experience that new beginning. They didn't want to sit in the wilderness long enough for God to show up in a new way, a different way than he had in the past. And then what happens is we force things, and then we end up in a worse situation, and then God has to come get us out of that in a new way. And look, I'm preaching to myself, by the way. I find myself in these situations more than any person that I know physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally. I seem to have an, it's my spiritual gift. I can get myself in a bad situation. Holly's not even here with me today, which is even worse. Because I tend to get in worse situations when she's not a little buffer for me. But I feel like I'm doing okay. I haven't done anything inappropriate yet. So I tend to get myself in these places. And I don't know if this will help you. I don't know how else to do it other than just be transparent. But most of the time when I get myself in these situations, one thing is I know this. When you're in those situations, you find out who you are. You find yourself. Um, that's really important. Another thing is you find out who God is in your life. And, and it's not whether you're a Christian or not. It's where is your priority concerning your faith in those situations. And you kind of find out what happens. I remember, uh, and I may have shared this if I did, I'm, I'm 47 and I guess I'm getting to that point where I start repeating stories. So just pretend like you've never heard it. But I remember my first mission trip to um, India when I first came on staff at a big church in 2014. Holly couldn't go with me. I was going to be gone the longest I've ever been away from her. And I got on this trip. Uh, I was having to ride in like back by the bathroom. You know, your seat don't even recline. The other pastors were up in the front in first class with full beds laid down like it was that kind of trip. It's like 12, 14-hour trip. I don't know. It's long on the flight. Um, I'm, by, I'm by sitting by some, some yoga teacher who is completely just smashed on red wine the whole trip, getting up and down, up and down, up and down. I couldn't sleep. Like it was miserable, okay? I get to India. You get off the plane. As soon as you walk off the plane, you're completely sweated through your clothes. And I'm like, this is amazing. Thank you, God. Send me. That's the prayer I prayed. Thank you for sending me. And so we get down. Everybody's getting their luggage. Everybody gets their luggage. My luggage is not there. It's lost. Everything I had was in there. All my notes for everything I was going to preach, all my clothes, all my medicine, like anything you would need is all in my bag. So we go to the place. We go to this hotel. We get there like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, and, you know, I'm just miserable. They're wanting to have a big birthday party for somebody in our group. And I find myself sitting there looking at them, and I just start crying out of nowhere. Now, I don't know if it was exhaustion. I don't know what was happening. But one of the pastor's wives see me, and she's like, it's okay if you want to go to bed. I had to be up in two hours to take another flight to go to a different part of India with a guy from Croatia I had never met. Like, this is like the worst-case scenario ever. So I'm like, thank you so much. So I go up, try to go to sleep, wake up in a couple hours, we go. I have no clothes, so I'm literally preaching in the same clothes for four days. We get to this place, we get out of the airport, somebody's supposed to pick us up. I go outside, I'm looking around, I'm with a guy that barely speaks English from Croatia. 
As soon as we come out of the airport, there's nobody holding signs. There's nobody. Two, three hours later, I'm like, we've got to figure out something. Finally, some poor guy comes, sees us. He's like, hey, I, do you speak English? And we're like, yes. He's like, you want to use my phone? Like, it looks like you're in a bind. We call this pastor, and he's like, hey, we forgot about you coming today. We'll be there to get you. It's going to be like three hours. So now we're like six hours in sitting in front of this place, and I am furious. This guy shows up, and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And, you know, he takes us in. We get in the car. I forgot about it. And so we're talking about him, and, of course, I'm just trying to make the best of it. I'm starting to ask questions like, well, what is it we're going to be doing? Where are we going to be preaching? He said, listen, I'm so sorry. I, I should have called you. We should have told you. He said, all of these terrorist Muslims have moved into where you guys are going to be. And we just had a team from Australia here, and they beat them all and took all their luggage, and they took them to the airport without even giving them their luggage, and they threatened to cut everybody's heads off. And we've got lookouts, but you guys are going to have to be preaching in these underground garages. I'm like, wait, wait, hang on. This is my first trip on staff at this church. I'm like, excuse me? Back up to the point where you said they're going to cut our heads off. Like, let's focus on there for a minute. And I said, why didn't you tell us that that was going to happen? He said, well, I was afraid you wouldn't come. You're right. Yes, we would not have come if you would have told us that. And he was not lying. We literally were in parking garages, and, and they, they got lookouts on the end of the road, and they're telling us, like, hey, you need to stop preaching. You need to leave. You need to do this. And, and so it was that kind of thing for several days. But on that trip, I saw the first actual physical miracle of somebody being healed and all these kind of great things happen, right? And we get back and I tell the pastor, I'm like, they told us they were going to cut our heads off. They're going to do this. They're going to, he said, why don't you think I told you to go? I'm not going. But we get back and one of the women in the group, at the time, I wanted to just open hand slap her right in the mouth, if I had to be honest. But she said, well, what happened, Matthew, is your cup got poured out. Your cup got tipped over. And I thought, what in the world? And she said, it's only in the wilderness when your cup gets tipped over do you know what's really inside. She said, you still preached. You still showed up. You still did all these things without any clothes, without any notes, without any... God still provided everything you possibly needed. You found out what was in your cup. What a valuable lesson that I may have never learned if not for that wilderness experience of God showing up in the wilderness when I was completely, literally naked and didn't have anything and provide for that whole trip. She's like, you found out what was in your cup. The problem is most of us, as soon as our cup gets tipped over, we beg everybody to turn it back up. <laughs> can you pick my cup up? Can you make sure it's, can you make sure that, can you, I don't want anybody, we don't want to stay in any wilderness experience long enough for God to do anything because it's uncomfortable. And I agree, it's uncomfortable. But it's in those wilderness experiences when God shows up the most. I love that we celebrate communion here every time we have a service. The focal point of this place is the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. And it should be. But what was Jesus' start of his ministry? He was in the wilderness. When did the Holy Spirit show up? In the wilderness. When did the temptation happen? In the wilderness. It's the wilderness experience that God shows up in a new way and changes everything, right? Out of a wilderness experience, we have a Savior. And if we could see that when we're in the wilderness, 
that out of this wilderness experience, I'm going to have a Savior, it could change everything. It could be a word of hope. It could be a little encouragement to get us past the next Red Sea moment. And then we start looking, right? It's that whole building Ebenezer. When they crossed over and they built a monument, it was what? To remember how God acted in those times. That's literally why we do communion. <laughs> remember me, God said. But he didn't say remember me in the past. He just says remember me. So we've got to get out of putting God in this little box of this is the only way he can move, this is the only way he can act, this is the only thing he did, and start looking for a new way. For most of us, think about it. When, or, or, or for me anyway, well, I was on a mission trip in Honduras. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. That was a new thing God had done. I didn't know that. I thought I was going crazy. But it was a new thing. As new as that was, there's something else new that God's wanting to do. So as mind-blowing as whatever it is your experience could be, right, that's how mind-blowing the next thing is going to be. And if we, don't get, if we get caught up in that religious spirit of this is the only way God can act, it's going to be hard for you to do that because you have Josh and Mary here. And Josh will preach with his shoes off and do all kind of kooky stuff and keep you on the edge of your seat at what God's doing next, right? It's because of Josh I'm preaching in tennis shoes today and not in a coat and boots. Like he's, he's given me some freedom in the newness of what God is doing, right? And so we've got to be looking at that. We've got to be looking at what God's doing. We don't have to know the how as long as we know the who. I don't know how God's going to do this, but I know he is. I don't know how there's going to be a way for this to happen, but I know there will be. Bob and I have been dreaming and thinking and talking about different things, and, and we've, I've heard him say this. I don't know how it's going to work out, but if God wants it to, it will. I don't know how we're going to provide for that, but if God wants it to work, it will. I don't know when it's going to be, but if God wants to do it, he'll tell. Like, it's all about being in alignment with what God is doing, not what he used to do. I'm making a way for you right now, right? Making a way. Don't you see it? Don't you perceive it? And most of us say, no, I don't see it. Why? Because we're looking backwards. Well, God didn't do that when I was 12 at my mother's church and you know God didn't do that at my grandma's when she used to say this and God didn't say that. I've had so many conversations weekly monthly leading up to this weekend of people where I've been, been in normal conversations and they'll say stuff and I'm like where did you get that from oh that's what it says in the Bible where <laughs> well let's get it out and look at it and thankfully I've got a couple of people that really do that so we start looking and he's like that's not even in the Bible. I'm like, then why are you saying that? Well, that's what my grandmother used to tell me. And that's the problem. It's a blessing and a curse that we grew up in the South in a religious environment where we know everything of what God's done and said. And We've got to look and see what God's doing for ourselves. Yes, he showed up for your grandmother. And I'm sure she had great intentions by what she shared with you. But he wants to show up for you <laughs> in a new way, in a different way, today, not yesterday, today. He's going to show up if we're just looking and perceiving. Your best is not behind you. And the past doesn't have to be bad, by the way. 
I know I've been here and through a lot of hurt. I'm sure I railed on my old church. I'm, I'm sure out of my hurt and bitterness, I said things I probably shouldn't have said. But the past does not have to be a bad thing. I had a great thing in the past. Without the past, I wouldn't have met Bob. Without the past, I wouldn't be here. Without the past, I wouldn't be on these mission trips and be able to continue to do what I feel like God's called me to do. All of that's good, but whatever's next is better. <laughs> 17 years, I've been a judge. Great. Done a great job. Great. I've seen him in drug court. It's amazing to watch him work and move and act and prophesy over these people and help. And all that was wonderful, but whatever's next is better. And Blue Jean is an amazing place, and the heart of the Father's here. And oh my God, I feel tingles in my toes when I'm here and all this kind of... But whatever's next is better. And we've got to start saying that and believing that to the point to where it just really gets internal in us. Say it to your neighbor right now. Just sit, see how good it feels. Whatever's next is better. And tell Bob louder, please. I want him to believe it. <laughs> Whatever's next is better. Doesn't mean anything has to be bad, but whatever's next is better. Do you believe that? If you do, that's your hope. Whatever's next is better. If we believe it, that keeps us moving until the next thing. And then when we get to the next thing, whatever's next is what? I think you're getting it. And then if you get to the next thing, whatever's next is? And then whatever's next is? Lee, I haven't heard you say it one time. Thank you. Whatever's next is better. I want to leave us with this, and I'm assuming we'll do some communion and stuff. In Philippians 3, it pretty much sums up to me what this whole message is about. In Philippians 3, 13 through 14. It was the first verse I learned in Spanish while I was in a toilet in Honduras. It was written in Spanish on the back of a door. For some reason, I was in there long enough to memorize it. Okay? But it says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do know this. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus I'm forgetting everything that happened that means it doesn't just say forget the bad stuff I'm forgetting everything that's behind straining forward looking for what's next pressing on as if to win the prize looking for the goal for my reward right moving forward that's what we've got to do it's the whole Elisha message I'm sold out so much on what God is doing new that I'm going to burn everything behind me so there's no way I can go back to it there is no plan B the plow the ox Everything I've got that says this is my identity, this is what used to be, I'm going to burn it right now where when I leave there is no chance of me coming back to it. That's how sold out to the new you've got to be. Or don't, and we just keep doing what we're going to do. 
The good news is, in Proverbs, it says we get the choice. <laughs> you have life or death, and we get to choose every day. And if we miss it, the amazing thing about God is every week you get a chance to reset, every month you get a chance to reset, and every year you get a chance to reset. And we can just keep coming in this cycle till we finally do get it. Thank God for that. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.